The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's episode number 112 of the Legal Sports Report podcast. I'm Adam Candy, joined by Dustin Gauker. Matt Brown out for another week. Uh, even after improving upon his Twitter, Matt Brown uh, decided that he needed another week away from us. And frankly, I can't blame him for that. Uh, we are going to go through quickly today just a quick recap of the last week worth of news. If you have not already, please subscribe to the LSR podcast wherever it is that you happen to get your podcasts, rate and review as well. We appreciate all of the feedback that we get on the podcast. Dustin is available on Twitter at Dustin Gauker. I am at Adam Candy. Creativity not high on either, but they are easy to find. Uh, We will cover a quick hit of the news, Dustin, starting in Massachusetts, where we're kind of in a familiar spot to where we've been in years past, where the House has passed a bill overwhelmingly Uh, It's waiting on the Senate side, but of course, the Senate has its own bill that it is considering. There are some uh, notable differences between the two, but at least the House has passed a bill and kept this ball moving as Massachusetts tries to get something done on sports betting this year. Yeah, so it's this is the this is the problem we've looked at in the past is what does the Senate want to do with this? Uh, It's not clear at all what the Senate is going to do. this. So, yeah, uh, you know, a little bit of confetti when the House passed it, but this is this has been. The hurdle that needs to clear so like our, there's not much going on right now you presume there is going to be just because of the amount of chatter there's been around this you know i think we're all we're you know when we saw the the DraftKings daily fantasy sports deal with the red Sox, you know DraftKings doesn't really care them i mean they care about daily fantasy sports but this is you, you presume this is setting up a possible um you know sports betting uh sports betting relationship with the red Sox. should massachusetts legalize uh you know the way things have gone you would a sports book at Fenway Park would make a lot of sense. That's something I'm sure everybody uh, from from both sides would want. But yeah, we're sitting here waiting to see if that's going to happen. Massachusetts is one of these these few states that kind of beats for a longer time, so they're off 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 the the schedule of everyone else who tries to get these has to get these things done earlier. So we'll see what happens in Massachusetts. But I don't I I don't know how to handicap Massachusetts. If you do, uh, tell tell me what our odds of uh, of seeing Massachusetts get to the finish line are. Political will is stronger this year than it has been in years past, whether that is just sustained push by DraftKings, who, of course, is based there, or whether it's looking around the rest of the region and realizing that Massachusetts is about to be one of the only ones in that greater Northeast Atlantic region that doesn't have legal sports betting. And I wonder if the push from Connecticut uh, becomes a little bit more serious, because not only do we know that Mohegan Sun uh, and Foxwoods market to the New York market, but of course they market to the Massachusetts uh, area as well. And that's been made clear 
by the folks at Mohegan in particular to us to say, hey, if Massachusetts doesn't get its act together, we are absolutely going to use our database in Massachusetts to push sports betting over the border in Connecticut where mobile will be available. So I do think the legislators in Massachusetts can look at that and see that they need to get something done. That being said, it's always a glacial pace uh, in this state. So if it dragged on till the end of the year and we didn't have legal sports betting available until next football season, by the time things got going, it wouldn't be terribly surprising in Massachusetts either. Yeah, I mean, and I think you know, as we talk about smaller states, the drive-in is is probably bigger than you see in other states. You know, even though we have a, had a Chicago that was close to Indiana, like there's just, I mean, every like you're good, there's a lot of people in Massachusetts around the borders, and you know, not that far from any of these states that have some form of legal sports betting. You know, I you get, I would look that look at that increasingly from Massachusetts' point of view, and it's like, what what's the point of not having it at this point? You think that's a, you you know, we always think that's a a relevant argument. It sometimes is not, but like if you're really interested in this, you should look like everybody else is doing around this. We're just this this really should help our casinos, a hometown company in DraftKings. So you think you think you'll get there? You know, if not this year, in the not too distant future, because it does seem just kind of silly at this point to to be at the holdout in the Northeast. Well, speaking of drive-ins, Arizona announced that it is on target for its September 9th sports betting launch date. We knew about that. Uh, They're going to try to get DFS up and rolling by the end of August, which will uh, probably catch college football uh, and it's week zero slash week one times they can get it going by that time. And I'm going to kind of tie this up with the Nevada numbers that came out today where we saw a jump in handle and in revenue in June. In Nevada, uh, that is roughly half the states in the country that we saw some jump in revenue in the June month. Um, I am curious because uh, talking to folks around here, uh, there's been discontent around the apps for a long time uh, from the Las Vegas area to just drive yourself over the Hoover Dam Bridge is only about a half hour. Uh, I'm just curious if some of those who are looking for a different way to get some action down might potentially find themselves uh, detouring over to Arizona real quick to get in on some of the apps that are going to be there. Yeah, I got to think so. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly easy drive to do, right? I mean, if you're, you know, you're really looking to get you know, action down on lots of stuff, you know, I, I know back in the day uh, or even still, there's people in Nevada who, who, who crossed the border for daily fantasy sports. I, I think I know one of them who is not on this podcast right now. So like it's there, there's a I think that's a, definitely more than DFS. I think that's uh, that's a possibility. And you know when you look at the Nevada numbers, the other thing to take away from me is we're we're uh, over half a billion in bets heart, uh, in in just in a in a slow month. This is this used to be absolute dead time. These numbers used to be much smaller in Nevada. So this is a little bit of evidence that you know between just the the evolution of of online betting, even though it's still a pain in the ass to sign up for the apps. You can like it's still increasing and still improving as they get more people onto the apps and betting that way. You're just seeing seeing more of this. You know, I presume you know the, the McGregor fight probably had something. Will have something to do with with some uptick in July as well. But like it's 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 you know Nevada. Even though we we, we say it's being throttled, it's it is interesting that it's still growing. You know, at a pace that it wasn't before. Just I think because of of more adoption of of mobile betting, even though it's still it's really hard to sign up for the apps. Less than two thirds of bets in Nevada are placed via mobile 63, 64%, which is still, as you were mentioning, it's still higher than it used to be. It still was more like 50% uh, in the past. That being said, uh, we know that the states that have huge mobile adoption rates, even when they have physical casinos, are up 90, 95%. So not quite there yet with Nevada. 
will say that a couple of things I think factor into June showing some bump uh, in Las Vegas. First of all, I can tell you anecdotally, good luck finding a parking spot at a casino. Everybody who wants to take a vacation right now who is backed up from, uh, you know, not being on the road for a year from COVID, uh, they're going to Hawaii and they're going to Las Vegas. Uh, And so there's a lot more people uh, in the casinos right now. And the other thing to factor in might just be the sports calendar also that we have uh, the NBA a little backed up this year coming into July when it normally is ending in June. So you had a whole month uh, of NBA also. That being said, not to take anything away from the numbers in Nevada, but there are a couple of things that I'll be curious come next June to see how well they ultimately hold up. Uh, Dustin, we also uh, I mentioned that we had the partnership deal announced between the Red Sox and DraftKings for DFS. Uh, We've had a number of deals also announced in Arizona. Uh, Sticking with that theme there, we're now up to eight deals uh, in Arizona, Dustin, and we saw points bet with uh, Cliff Castle, Cliff Castle Casino, a small outfit uh, up in northern Arizona. And by the way, uh, shout out Cliff Castle Casino, who still owns a fair amount of my money from back when I was in college <laughs> at uh, northern Arizona and Flagstaff. Uh, I, I will say a friend of mine had a pretty good ritual at one point of going like driving down to Phoenix for a Diamondbacks game and then hitting Cliff Castle Casino on the way back up to uh, to Flagstaff and one way or another returning far poorer uh, than we did uh, when we left for the trip. But uh, it certainly seems like to expand on this Arizona market a little bit that it's going to be an interesting market because now we've seen the tax rate come out and 10% on mobile, I think is going to encourage a lot of applications. Yeah. And we saw, yeah, Barstool deal with Phoenix raceway, as we mm-hmm. talked about, like you have, you have these um, you know, the sports betting venues and, and teams have <laughs> are holders of licenses or can be. So um, it's, uh, you know, and uh, we'll get into more in Barstool in Arizona here in a second, I think, but it's uh yeah, it's uh, it's and it's fascinating to me. We're sitting here on July 29th. They they keep saying nothing is slowing down. We don't we we haven't picked out who the license holders are. We haven't picked. There's there may be more than uh, are are actually allowed to operate at this. I think at this point we're not quite there, but it's not shock. It wouldn't be shocking to see us surpass number of licenses available with partnership deals in the not too distant future with the with the access we're seeing. So I'm and then we also like I guess we're not doing any kind of vetting. Of the sports betting app, so I'm like, how are we in like five weeks time? Start of the NFL season. How are we? They keep, they they tell us we're going to get Arizona sports betting on September 9th, but I'm like, is it, how how are we doing this? This would be arguably the fastest launch. You know, I think Indiana kind of took us took a surprise surprise. New Jersey, we knew what happened really fast back in 2018, but like I don't know, it feels like we're we're going fast for just to meet that deadline, which I guess you know that's a, that's a, that's important to be live for NFL season. But is this are we getting the full regulatory treatment? Or are we just is Arizona just kind of relying on everyone else to to uh, to vet these operators? Because it's going to be like flip a switch. It sounds like, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of sports books operating in Arizona. Well, I do think that there's some uh, credence to what you're saying there, and that you know there are a lot of rules out there. If you choose to look at rules and regulations from other states, you pretty well can go ahead and grab those and copy and mold them to your own. Uh, not everyone is New York who's trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and Arizona is a state that, based on its political bent, is going to be a little less on the regulatory side than most. And so they might uh, they might be just the state to try to pull this off. Uh, how successfully, we shall see. That is uh, up for up for debate. Uh, speaking of deals, uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, 
Tipico, a sports book from Germany that has a very small presence right now between New Jersey and Colorado, uh, signs a deal with USA Today, a $90 million deal over the course of five years. Uh, we had an interview with uh, one of the hide honchos at Gannett not all that long ago where they made clear their ambitions to get into sports betting. Um, a very small operator for a media company the size of Gannett. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Tipico obviously has this money. They're they're pretty big overseas, but uh, I mean, this that's a that's a lot of coin to drop for uh, mentions in USA Today. I mean, I'll say this: USA Today uh, has been into this for a while. You can see just in the content you see out of them. Sportsbook Wire is they do a lot of content about sports betting, uh, and you know, it was obviously they're casting about to try to what what can we do the most? I mean, now they have ninety million, you know, basically guaranteed in the bank. Uh, based on this deal, um, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm. I think we're a little surprised at this. You know, Tipico doing this, but at the same time, always talk about you know, if you want if you want to grow your brand, you have to do something. You have to buy a brand, or you have to spend money to. Nobody knows what a Tipico is here, in the U.S. Right? Like, so now you're going to start seeing it. You starting if you're reading USA Today content, you may not automatically sign up, but you at least start becoming familiar with the sports book. Now, is that worth ninety million dollars over five years? I don't know, but you know, you got to you got to spend it somewhere. There's, you know, there, these exclusive deals between media partners and sports books are, you know, getting fewer and far between as we always talk about. So you want you want that you know that brand awareness and start getting your name out there. That's what you, that's that's one of the ways you do it. So it's it is interesting to see. I will say I am a little disappointed in our readership uh, for the fact that. Yesterday, I wrote this headline, edited the story of typical situation, and I guess there are not as many Dave Matthews fans out there as I thought there were. Um, I really wanted to go typical situation for these typical times, too many choices, which really would have fit, to be honest, would have fit. But you can only go so esoteric with these things and expect people to still be able to uh, understand what the heck you're talking about. Uh, we're also talking about European operators or shall we say uh, platform providers when it comes to Cambi. And interesting note from their most recent earnings, uh, Brad Allen had this written up to say that they're expecting to lose at least a quarter of their revenue when DraftKings exits and when the transition uh, over to SB Tech is final. And I mean, that's not terribly surprising to hear that number, but that is a that is a large amount for Cambi to try to make up. Yeah, I mean, I think we knew this. This was their first and oldest partner here. I mean, they helped they helped DraftKings spin it up. DraftKings is number two behind FanDuel in terms of how much handle and revenue they're taking in in any any given market in any given time. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's 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 a big hit. So, you know, what what is Gammy going to do to do that? I mean, there's still you know, uh, probably mix for do it like being a platform in New York, things like that. Um, Try, like, they're gonna they're gonna look to do this. You know, they I think they've proven that they're you know obviously they've they've done well in terms of getting people live and doing that. I think that's a compelling story for them. So yeah, I'll be uh it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But that's uh, that's a lot of revenue in, in one fell swoop. Well, let's stick with that for a second, since you mentioned the idea of a potential super bid in New York. Uh, we saw a twenty nine page, although it was a little shorter than that in actuality, Q and A Q&A come out from. State Gaming Commission last week, where they broke down a little bit more uh, of some questions that are out there, uh, some questions about collusion that they uh, they addressed. I would suggest reading the article at LegalSportsReport.com that Matthew Waters put out on that. 
Um, but Dustin, just to kind of talk about some of the rumors that we've heard around, um, it feels like we're on the way to some Voltron bid here where it's going to be like <laughs> all of the sports books come together for a giant bid. I mean, like we've, we've heard the names of multiple large sports books and not just like they would pair off in twos. Like there would be three of these books plus a Camby, et cetera, et cetera. I, I feel like New York is going to give us plenty to talk about here because of what these bids could look like. I, I mean, I hope you're crafting a story around a Voltron picture. As that's <laughs> I'm like, always crafting like, it around I, the picture. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, that's the that's the way to do stories, right? Is to create, like create oh, a yeah. picture, like pick a picture and then make the story. Uh-huh. It's always that's the great. I, I've I've done that before. I'm oh sure, sure. Too, but for headline, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's going to be wild whatever comes out of New York. I think it's yeah, and like yeah, if you you think about you know the you know, I think if you look at it this way, like if you're the the big operators. And you don't want to, you don't want mutually assured destruction trying to you, you create a bid where all of you are somehow working together. Um, you know, then can you, can you possibly pass that up? Like that's, that's, I think they're trying to like make an offer that they can't refuse. Right. If you do that, like you can't, ha- you can't, if you're opening up the New York market without draft, like drafting Vandal or, and or M- MGM, like what are you doing? Like you're just, you're, you're, you're limiting the market immediately. If you, if you somehow pick, not pick those people. So, you know, if they, you know, and rather than risk only going by one or two, like say all, okay, all of us together, you're going to have, you have to pick us. Like you can't, like you just can't not pick that bid, right? No matter how, you know, and maybe that makes it even more competitive in terms of like the, the rev share. I don't know, but like, uh, it'll be, it'll be wild to see what happens out of all of this because yeah, I've, we've both heard lots of rumors on what it looks like and, um, you know, uh, the, and again, that New York is—it is—it is just dumb. We reinvented the wheel for some unknown reason in New York, so we're going to see this, this, this Frankenstein of whatever is going to come out of it. But hopefully, it gets to a good result where lots of operators are in the state. You know, I don't think having this pass off 60 percent of revenue to the state is not going to create an ideal market, but it's at least a market. You know, to the point you're making about the revenue share, we know that New York expects that even though legally it's a quarter of this, that it's going to get at least 50 percent of revenue share. And look at DraftKings in New Hampshire, 50, 51 percent, depending on how you calculate it, uh, where they had to offer to be the loan operator. And the fact that we might end up near 60 percent on revenue share shows why we have to have all these sports books come together. Because I don't know if there's any one sports book that is willing to lose money at the pace that they would have to lose it in order to spend 60% of their revenue back to the state. I mean, obviously, multi-state, multinational operators can eat it somewhere in the balance sheet. But look at what we're seeing on earnings calls as we're kind of in earnings season right now about which sports book, you know, lost $100 million last year, which lost more than $100 million last year. I mean, the losses are piling up and they're not unexpected in the early years of this business. But, you know, when you look at the fact that in order to lock this New York bid in, you might have to lock it in for 10 years. Like the economics of all this could look significantly different 10 years from now uh, than they do right now. And that 60% might look even worse uh, down the line. So, you know, now, could it look better? Could you not have to spend as much on promo costs and maybe it looks, uh, you know, uh, better? Yeah, it sure does. But, you know, I, I'm just fascinated by how all this in uh, in New York is going to play out. And, and yeah, and it, dep- and it depends on what you think. You know, you, you believe the lawmakers say, oh, we'll go back and fix it later. 
who knows? But if you if you if you're not in right away, if you're not in now and starting to get customers, like maybe like you know, if you're if you're banking on New York's gonna see there its ways, you wanna be in now even at a bad price point, I think. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um before we wrap up, I know I have I have a couple of personal things that I would like to talk about. I can't play freaking daily fantasy. Well, the, you, yeah, you're, in that's where I was starting to go was I was saving this story for the end because we figured we <laughs> we would end on a high note here or a low note as oh. the case might be, uh, with DraftKings pulling out of Oregon. Uh, sending a love note to all of you Oregonians saying we think we should be able to offer DFS, but we've been trying to figure out the sports book stuff with the lottery. And because we can't figure that out, there's some question around legality of DFS. And once again, you're back in the dark ages. Yeah. I mean, uh, this was, this used to be all I wrote about was states turning off DFS because of legal opinions. And all of a sudden, like in 2021, here is Oregon somehow like, uh, you know, that there's some question about the legality of daily fantasy sports. They're actually, you know, whether a state ever actually addressed it, there's really a question of the legality of daily fantasy sports everywhere. It always has been. It is until it was regulated and specifically legalized in any state. You know, you're going off of a collection of gambling laws that were not meant to, to, to be applied to DFS. You apply them and say, oh, I think we're legal here. Somebody else says, eh, I don't know. But you're, you're going off a bunch of legal opinions. So it doesn't shock me that this, is, this came down. Uh, you know, FanDuel, I don't think is... Is, has no desire to pull out of, of Oregon. Oregon uh, DraftKings is doing this to try to get the sportsbook uh, operation up to, you know, back to, to, well, not back to, launch a DraftKings sportsbook instead of the current Oregon scoreboard app that I have here that is abysmal, uh, that is also on, on the SB Tech platform. So I would, I would be, if the net, net of this is I get a good sportsbook app and I don't, can't play daily fantasy sports forever, I'll take it. Um, you know, it, it is it is just wild though that we're having we have, we're talking about the legality of DFS. You know, this far, you know, basically a decade, well after more than a decade after uh, it started launching here around the U.S. Yeah, for those of you who subscribe to the LSR Plus Plus podcast, uh, Dustin and I will talk about whether DFS is a game of skill or a game of chance for like another hour. Uh, just DM uh, DM me for information. I have a Venmo that's wide open. You can get uh, that special podcast if you want to partake uh and if you're tired of us matt 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 will love matt will love that matt and i I have debated that one for uh since the beginning of time too and he he does not agree with me on on game of skill versus gambling but i saw i saw a poll come out there somewhere like how much luck and skill is involved in season-long fantasy it's like you know as soon as you start putting some luck into it is it a game of skill i mean there's some luck in in, in sports too but you're not wagering playing an actual sport but you're not wagering money so, anyway, hey, don't don't use no, the whole uh, we'll don't, don't it. use it all up now because Matt's back next week. And so we, I want you guys to be able to do this the right way. Uh, when we get to episode number 113 of the LSR podcast, this, of course, is episode number 112. Adam and Dustin, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here. And uh, we will be back next week with Matt Brown, full Twitter, full rest, ready to go. Thanks for being here. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.